0: This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station.
1: Hello, and with me, Kamraslan, today we have the returns of, one, well, it's a real return, return. But first of all, we have the return of, she is the voice of news on BFM. She's the, the voice we all trust to be telling us the truth. She is Danya Nye.
2: Hello. You can definitely trust me.
1: That <laughs> <laughs> says a person who really can't be trusted. Um <laughs> And and he was with BFM. He was on the uh, the morning show, and he's gone on to greater things as a digital editor. He is Simway Boon. Hello, how Hello. is everyone? Good, good. Um, I hope they're keeping you profitably employed, etc. Yeah, are. Yeah. Good, good. <laughs> and uh, our three topics this week are: topic number one is, do you want to live forever? Uh, Topic number two is the history of the necktie. And finally, topic number three is, do we have to have an opinion about, say, for instance, the uh, Gaza-Israeli conflict? Amongst other topics. So, um, Dania, um, do you want
2: to live forever? Oh, (laughs) I feel like I'm leaning towards no. Um, But really, um, have you guys heard of Ray Kurzweil? Because I've never heard of him until now. So basically he's a famous no. futurist. He makes a lot of predictions. Uh he predicted that the internet was going to blow up in the 1990s before it really ever did and apparently his predictions are 86% correct. I don't know who's quoting this but most portals have said this. So basically he thinks that by 2030 so that's like 7 years away we are going to pretty much become closer to becoming immortal because technology and medical progress supported by AI is going to like help um Repair our bodies at a cellular level. That's basically his thing. Um, and so that got me thinking about whether, like, if we actually reach that point, although I'm a bit skeptical about it, whether we would really want to live, like, be immortal. Because it would, it would, you know, you could cure any disease you get. You'd get cancer and it would cure it. You could, it would stop you from aging essentially. And it, it's the idea of like, like, imagine if I'm thirty forever. I don't know if I can. Neil deal, deal. I don't know if I like the idea. Yeah. Because isn't isn't the point of life like I'm asking the big questions here. Isn't the point of life um you know having something that's worth losing? Is, is does that make sense? Um Jeopardy. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So it feels like when when we have that, it just kinda you lose everything kind of loses worth, I guess. That's worth that's lost in, in life. And also like does that mean like when we, if we have children, they'll also be immortal and we'll just be an overpopulated world. I don't know how that works. Like, I don't know how you guys feel about, like, would you like to be immortal how you guys are right now? Would right, like right now. that's forever. Yeah. yeah. I, this, I don't think
1: that's what he's promising though. He's, I know, um, I don't, but know. like. We like, would I, don't be, know,
2: I don't know how far this is this technology gonna make us younger again? Are we all gonna be young and, and you know good looking and then we're gonna be living like this forever or is it just like where we are at this moment and stopping us from aging? Yeah. Anything? you know okay. I so, think there'll
0: be like a peak performance where like it's maybe like at age 40 or something like that then they'll make you stop aging from there. you know I mean there's so many science fiction movies that deal with this right uh, and this question right. For me personally, like I, I wouldn't really want to live forever. I would want to live long, but not too long as well. I just don't know what's the ideal length of time. But uh, there is one caveat that would make me want to live forever. And that is just to see it all. You it know, all. I would want to live forever to see how this all ends. You know how okay. the world ends, how the human yeah, race would, progress. You like may not like have to Earth live gets, that long to find well, that out. Like, <laughs> like until right. the Earth
2: gets sucked into like a black black hole. Kind yeah, of? you know. All oh, like, right.
0: I'm, I would want to live forever because you know scientists has uh, scientists have already projected or looked into like oh it's gonna take us like another I don't know hundreds of years before we can travel to the next galaxy or to the other you know the other side of the universe. It's gonna take a really long time, and that would be like. Uh, incentive for me like okay if I can live forever I that's like the only appeal to me because I, I want to be able to see that I want to know what's it like right yeah. yeah but anything else I think living forever would be a very horrible thing because you would like first of all it's like how can you remember everything, right you know yeah. and, and back to what like Tanya said later does that make life worth living then right especially I think maybe in this Day and age, living forever, if you're going to live forever in this state, it doesn't sound appealing. But say maybe a hundred years from now where we have space travel, we can go anywhere we want or whatever, then maybe the idea of living forever changes because you, the world and the universe has so much possibilities and so many things for you to do that living forever seems appealing. Yeah. But right now, it's just, I, I don't know. You know, yeah. I don't want to live forever in a world where so many people kill each other and there's so many like nonsense going on right yeah this sounds
1: like a real mankind hubris type thing because you know not long ago it was like hey do you want to live to 30 um and people be like what 30 that's incredible that's crazy talk and but you know it but now we're saying we're gonna live forever i don't know i don't know um one it, sorry he's gonna say in seven years time
0: that people who yeah. are alive today not people who are born in 2030 yeah, so yeah, there's cool. another person that is also trying to do this. I don't know if you heard of him. His name is Brian Johnson. Oh no, no never no. heard of so him. He is this man. He's like a tech billionaire or whatever. So he is investing or researching on ways to live forever. And one way, I mean, the reason that I know him and he was like out oh, news is because he apparently um does blood transfusions with his son. Oh, I've yeah, oh, I've heard about You've seen this, that yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So so it is... It is, And he spends that, a fortune on... Yeah, exactly. um, I mean, that's what all the rich people are doing now, right? They have, they, they, they've done everything. Now they want to live yeah. forever. Well, you know, Elon I, Musk, Meta and all.
1: Yeah, I would say, um, as a, a fan of the England football team, I think it might be necessary for me to live forever if I ever want to witness them actually win something. Otherwise, yes, I would... Being in good health... Um, and not just clinging on, you know, as a as a, a body that's forgotten everything, is incredibly important. Um, I, it's inconceivable. It's beyond my imagination to think about the notion of living forever. It is also beyond my imagination to think about dying, as well.
2: I mean, that I mean, isn't that why we're chasing immortality? Or some people are chasing immortality because we just don't know what's going to happen when you die. Isn't that the whole?
0: I think one, there are a few, but those that chasing immortality cannot give up power, because again, you know, the ones that we know they are chasing immortality, they are practically doing this are usually billionaires or people of high positions of power, and the only reason they want to do it is because most likely is they want to stay in power. They want yeah, to yeah, but
1: but they are using tech, etc., things that cost money. But we are all, you know, taking vitamin supplements, trying to eat well, etc. We're all doing what we
0: can afford to do in order to try and. Live well that's because I think for us, we are in the pursuit of a dream life or you know we all have a goal in mind or something that we want to achieve and we've not achieved that yet but because of the world and everything around us being so dangerous or unhealthy you know we're constantly fearful that just like that your journey is ended before it even started so you are constantly trying to make sure that like i'm safe you know so you eat you exercise you stay out of danger you know, so that you can work. You know, you can uh, make money. You can go be with your family. You know, you can grow old with your loved one. Hmm. I don't think really is the pursuit of immortality yeah. that so, is in the minds of the layperson. So, um, Danya, it looks like I have I haven't actually
1: given my opinion. I'm not sure actually. Uh, but Danya, you're sort of saying at the moment because you're young, right? So what do you, what do you know?
2: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know some things. I'm but like... no, but
1: I mean, you're not. There's not you know it's not yeah you you don't feel the end is is coming you don't you know
2: no i definitely don't but but i mean it's not but i i mean i think like most people you do think about things like dying and you and you like have you know those 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 days when you just think about it and you're like oh no don't think about it you know it's not it's too early to think about those kind of things or Mm. you know there's no point in thinking about it and getting afraid and getting worked up about it but but thinking about it now like i mean yeah the idea of immortality sounds nice in theory i guess but like if it actually came through i don't know if i would opt for it i think i think it would feel like um it would feel like too much um too little butter being spread on bread if that makes sense
1: yeah yeah it would
2: feel like that to me If we were actually if everyone decided to to be immortal and yeah then then doesn't it just kind of kill society as a whole like what's the point of working and what's the point of doing anything which to live forever mm. like we don't have to worry about things i don't know
0: Unless well, you're like the elves from Middle Earth, you know, you got to go to the far <laughs> the west or east. <laughs> yeah, because they, they were they immortal, but they just lived a really long time. No, they're immortal. I they're mean, immortal. their life is tied to Middle Earth. As long yeah. as the world is around, they will be around. Yeah. So how did they deal with it? They had a good time, didn't
2: they? They took a boat. <laughs> they yeah, they took, took a, a boat.
0: Yeah, Right.
1: They seem pretty they cool. They sang
0: beautiful songs.
1: Yeah. And, yeah. and they can really do a bow and arrow pretty well. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and they're very beautiful. So, okay, let's go for it then.
2: <laughs> <Let's>, <laughs> well let's, i'll take a boat i'll meet you i'll meet you at the dock.
1: all right let's let's be elves Tanya. <laughs> let's do it um okay so we we have really fully decided on this one of the big questions but let's move on topic number two which is the history of the necktie i've always been fascinated by um the necktie because the clothes that we wear are really weird actually the the designs of them the way they are made up in that, you know, I'm wearing a shirt now that has a collar, but like, why? And, but we also have clothes that we wear that seem to distinguish us from male from female. And it's like, why? <laughs> why have we decided on these things? So with the necktie, it's a particularly weird evolution because back in the mid 1600s in Europe, there was this war called the 30 Years War, which lasted 30 years. And there were... um croats from modern croatia who were mercenaries and they would wear a red um scarf little uh, red handkerchief around their necks and sort of tied together and um you can still see that with croatian football fans they will dress entirely in white but have this red scarf and you say hundreds of them bouncing them down with these red scarves and the reason why they wore them was because one it helped them to see each other in a battle. I was like, oh, there's the red scarf. I can detect that. But also because it was being used as a tourniquet. If they got wounded in battle, they could take it off, tie it around their leg or arm. And the fact that it was red meant that you couldn't really see the blood. So you didn't put people off. They then were uh, employed by French people. And the French became very the Croats were famous and well respected and feared, even as soldiers, as warriors, and uh, so these French, fashionable French people saw these red neck ties and thought they were rather cool, and so sort of developed it into the cravat. Cravat coming from Croat, um, and even the King of France started wearing one, so obviously everyone had to wear one after that. Uh, and then there's the collar. the the tie is always in combination with a collar. Collar came about from either a leather collar that went around the neck or a very hard card which was put around the neck of soldiers to want to keep their necks up very straight and look very uh, uh, soldierly (laughs) but also because if a sword was swinging across it would stop the sword from cutting your neck and and cavalry um, uh, soldiers would would even have braided hair, long braided hair, for exactly the same reason to stop the 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 sword from cutting you. And and then, bit by bit, over time, that collar evolved. And when I, even when I was growing up, you still had detachable collars, starched, detachable collar, which you would you know attach to a shirt. And I used to wear them because I was sim. You won't believe this. Very fashionable when I was younger. and uh and that that collar and the tie somehow kind of evolved together to become a staple so now people men walk around with a collar and a tie which is then how we wear a jacket and these things are all kind of like unrelated to each other but they seem to we are judged now by how good we look in a suit i was watching a documentary with david bowie and he looked really good in a suit but i'm thinking. Why do I think he looks good in a suit? The suit itself is a weird thing. Uh, Sam, you're a you're a fashionable fellow. Uh, you um, you think about the the how these things evolved, and do you think about how weird they actually are?
0: Um, yeah, sometimes not completely, but I will talk about why I think there is a general consensus, right, that actually everyone looks good in a suit, even yeah. men and women. You know. Yeah, but of course, um, it also depends on the suit. It has to be a nice suit, right? If it's a ill-fitting suit um, that is horrendous, then you won't look good. But most of the times, a simple black suit is very complimentary. But why? I don't. I know what you mean. Because, because, because the suit is cut and angled in a way that complements your body shape, whether you look fit or not fit, whether you are unfit or fit, or you have a slim or a less slim body. The suit is multiple layers, but it's not multiple layers where it looks like thrown on you that you end up looking like Michelle Man. But the layers are cut in angles that complements how your body looks visually after that. So that's why there is that illusion or that thinking that everyone looks good in suit. Even if a woman wears a suit or a man wears a suit, they just look cool. But also, I think a lot of this is to do with history and perceptions as well. Because over the years, over the decades, you know, we've been, we watch film, we read books about uh, dashing men wearing suits, gentlemen wearing suits, spies, soldiers, uh, leaders wearing suits, you know. Um, The women that wear suits are usually uh, in TV or movie shows that are a leading figure or something really cool about that. They're they're, they're, uh, they're, uh, a hero, heroine or a villain. So there is this um, characterization that comes with people that wear suits and then you know, I mean that, and also, okay, so aspiration as well. Yeah, exactly. And also, you know, the the the, the cultural uh, idea that you know the the when the West came to Asia, they were long suits and they were seen as a bit, you know, a bit maybe I would say more modern, but they were seen as like powerful, completely powerful. different, right? You know, right. powerful, right? Yeah. Even up to now, right? I mean, um, okay. the courtroom, a formal setting, uh, you know, a, a a fancy restaurant, you see people in suits because. It's it's not just the look. I think it's just it's tied to formality. It's okay. tied to uh another level because it's just it's so much effort to put one on. Um it can be very expensive. Yeah. So it also signifies wealth and class. So that's that's why yeah. there's all these connotations like, um, Okay. Sorry.
1: So Danya, um I've never seen you wearing a collar I and mean, a shirt and a collar and a tie. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, you've never been tempted to, I guess.
2: Well, um, I think I might have done like once uh, in school, and and like wearing like college shirts and stuff was probably like if I go to court if I go to parliament. But um, I, I do agree with what you say about like clothes being weird, because um, even when I was younger, even the idea of like shoes was a big was weird to me. Oh, and like yeah. the idea of things like why do my shoes need to match? My clothes. Like, that was always, like, a. why do I need to have different pairs of shoes to find my clothes? Mm. And why do I have to wear dresses? Especially when I was a kid, my parents would make me wear dresses all the time, and I hated it. I hated dresses. I was like, there's all this air around here. I don't like it. I need pants on. And if, there is a sense of clothes with me of, like, being boxed in, in a sense. Does that make sense? Like, you're being forced to follow something that people have decided this is the norm, we have to do this, and... yeah. Um, i i never liked it i never i i hate the idea of like um if i dress a certain way i'm perceived as i mean it is like sim said like it is based on history and like people wanting to show up their status and you know their wealth or whatever it is but i i hate the idea that the way i look is is based you know how people are going to judge me and I, and I do think the idea of like clothes being better than others like a shirt a t-shirt but uh, shirts by being better than a t-shirt you know like or a dress being better than jeans and a t-shirt um i really don't like it and i don't know i think there's a there's a there's a need for fashion is supposed to be like all about you know being free and stuff so i don't know why we have to conform to certain like standards like i don't I, know why I, we can't you know i think not I feel so- like as long as you're not as you are not you know as long as you're not like exposing yourself or something like that, like I don't see why yeah you can't okay. decide what clothes you want. But clothes, clothes are weird. But besides, if you think about it practically, they're just there to like what protect yourself, make sure you're not a naked person on the street, um, yeah. and yeah. all those kind of yeah. things.
0: I mean, in its essential function, clothes are just to. I mean, one is uh to ensure decency. Uh-huh. Second is to protect you from the environment. Right. But you see, the thing about suits is, you know, some might look at it from a fashion point of view, but some look at it from a uniform point of view, Yeah, you know? it's Why, I mean, judgment aside, why people place an emphasis on wearing a suit to certain things is the, it's the, the formality that it comes with, you know? I mean, it, it makes no sense at the end of the day, right? Like it's, it's like, it's, it's the things that people have set up to signify something. Yeah. That's why. Some people uh, only want people to wear suits to the wedding, not because like they, they probably don't even understand why. Because in their mind, it's it just looks nice. But when you think a bit deeper, right, it it may be, might, one thing it might show that like oh, you know, I'm taking my time and effort to put on a suit to be more formal than every day that what i would wear every day because no. today in your during your wedding is a special day. It's a special and, and you are uni- and your uniform. It's a group. Yeah, exactly. And it's a yeah, group, yeah. so we want everyone. So there's that as well. Um there are as weird as clothes are there are suits also do- also go through seasons of um uh style, right you know, and there are people that experiment with it right. Tom Brown does the whole like short really tight thing. you say um uh there's this other designer that does like really tight suits it to to kind of like uh counter the big suit, you know suit so goes through different eras and stuff like that. But I do agree that, um, or I mean, I agree. I think now as we progress, you know, the notion that uh, suit is a classist kind of uh, get-up is kind of like state-changing because
1: yeah, but they're cla- more accessible you say now. classes, yeah, but people. also cultural. Um, yeah. I mean, it's being worn by cultures around the world who do not have a historical connection yeah, are, and exactly. are reinterpreting yeah. or reimagining. And finding different types of uniformity that that Pierre Cardin would just not (laughs) recognize. (laughs) Um, uh, Okay. All right. Well, it's been years since I've worn a tie. I'm not even sure if I can remember how to do it. Um, But if ever I forget, I will either look at a YouTube video or I will call Sim because he will tell me how it's done. (laughs) Okay. We'll take a short break. And uh, when we come back, we're going to ask, do we need to have an opinion here on BFM at Bit of Culture? And we're back with myself, Cam, uh, Cam Raslan, and Simway Boon and Danya Naya. And now, Sim, in light of uh, the world being on fire, you want to ask: Do we have to have an opinion?
0: Well, this is that I want to ask. I, I just, you know, I'm looking at news, looking at social media, and what I'm seeing is, uh, you know, on one hand, uh, there are there are people that are using the influence they have. To bring to light a serious issue, you know, because, you know, on social media, they're popular, they have a lot of uh, followers, you know, so for those that might not know, um, you're bringing attention to this issue, right? But on the other hand, is that if everyone shares an opinion on something that's controversial, that is sensitive, that it, it, it doesn't, you, you can't just really know all the nuances and information within a day. It can be dangerous because you you uh, fall, it's a slippery slope for you to spread this information, for you to spread misunderstanding, right? And most of the time what I'm seeing is the, the curtain is being raised for like celebrities and social media influencers to talk about these things, you know. So the good is like, you know, they've got a big platform. So they can bring to light important issues. But the the the, the bad, I think is like most of them are not informed or not experts. So they would just say things or pick up things that maybe some are right, some are wrong, or some are misunderstood, or some are just completely nonsense. And then those that are consuming it will learn the wrong thing, you know. So I feel like that, and that leads me to the question, right? Like, like do we need an opinion on everything? Must everyone uh, say something about a certain issue, right, you know? or should we just leave it to the experts but also that's not right because then you just keep everything uh in an echo chamber where only the experts and the politicians are talking to themselves and the layperson don't know about anything so this is the question that i have and this is not but not a not struggle but just just something that i find perplexing well danya you you are the news <laughs> <laughs>
1: and and well i mean you got you got to struggle with the notion of the first report is is the first report is the first report the correct report and cuz it's going to it's going to sway opinion
2: it is um but i think also whenever with news especially when you are reporting stories you do look at who is saying like who is saying what like who is the source of the news coming from so generally at least we know it's coming from a person of importance or like has some sort of knowledge on it who has who can comment on it instead of um, a person just going on you know on social media and spouting their opinion i think the problem with in connecting what sim said the problem with um especially with social media is people have been taught that um every opinion needs to be shared and Um, You know, it's fine to have an opinion. You can have an opinion on everything you want, do whatever you want, live your life however you want. But everyone thinks like it has to be shared. Like the thought, the first thought that comes into my head, the first reaction I have has to be shared with everyone because it's really important. Um, And I hate that like spillover effect from social media and (laughs) internet.
0: Exactly right. Like, you know, like someone dies and like, oh my God, I need to share this horrible, tragic thing with photos of the victim you know without thinking about the consequences how many times has that happened right you know and then an hour later they take it down or you know an hour later someone says that like, that's not right you know you should have censored that image and all and i i just think like is this the result of oh well, i mean i I'm, i do think it is is the result of everyone's just trying to chase engagement everyone's just trying to be seen as relevant be seen as uh having an opinion on something right and that's well, I, I think
1: yeah, those things are absolutely right. But I would go one step further: it's not just having opinions, but it's been, it's publicly having the right opinion. Well, and the opinion that is the is the dominating consensus opinion. This is the you know you don't put out opinions where you know you're going to be the minority. <laughs> um, you want to lead the majority and be a standard bearer for the majority
0: and be applauded for that. So the problem now is right. In some issues, and or maybe even most issues, especially controversial ones, it's actually very hard to see the majority.
1: Well, that's what social media is there for. You 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 discover, or or even if you create a bubble, then you are you know your your
0: yeah possibly possibly. But I feel like there are some things where it's unless you take a census, you don't know what the majority is. You might think you're in the majority, or you might think you're right. Turns out you're not. I, I would say, for instance, in the case of in the case of the
1: Israel, Gaza, Palestine uh, situation, there has been in if you look at the US and in Europe, there has been a moving of the dial toward empathy, sympathy for the Palestinians, which yeah. really was not there.
0: I mean, yeah, you know, exactly. It's it's interesting to see how everything shifted from a week ago because last week everyone was. At least supporting what America, everyone, most of the American uh, government's narrative were, you know, in that camp, and now that they are slowly seeing how horrific things are, they are shifting their narrative, right? Yeah,
1: same, but it was so different. I was actually talking in terms of a thirty-year span, but you were saying,
0: yeah, no, a week. Uh, Yeah, no, (laughs) because you see, that's the thing. That is the thing. But you know. People on social media, people online, don't. most of them don't look at it from a 30-year span. Experts, politicians, people that I would trust with an opinion, and a bit who of have been, they, they look at it from a lens of 30 years ago. That's why they make sense when they talk. So, right? uh, but the, most people, they don't because they've not learned it. They don't no, know about no, absolutely. it. absolutely. Right?
1: But yeah. Daniel, Dan, can I just say, you're in a privileged position because there you are engaged with the big questions, the news, et cetera, but you don't have to have an opinion. So you no, I, I don't.
2: Um, I mean, I, I I write the facts. That's what I do. Um, and I can't have an opinion when I'm writing it. I I don't I, do, I don't I don't want to use the power, like you know, the access I have to people and their minds, um, to sway them any which way or whatever. I'm just giving facts, and they make their own opinion. But in terms of like people coming out, especially with the Israel Gaza situation, I think it's also there's a bit of nuance in there because I remember reading. From people and them saying sort of like, you can't be neutral in this situation. You have to have an opinion because if you, you know, if you're neutral, you're choosing the side of the oppressor, basically. That's what they're saying. So mm. I don't know if that changes things about like in terms yeah, of so that's an yeah? that
0: issue as well. And I I do agree with that to some, I think they're right. You should have an opinion, you should say something about it. But my worry is the danger is like, what if someone irresponsible say something about it. You you get what I mean? Like, if everyone should be allowed to have an opinion, but like, do you really want to hear Donald Trump's opinion on this? You you get what I mean? You know, we've heard Ben Shapiro's opinion on this and it's insane. (laughs) You you get what I mean? Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah, But I
1: mean, I mean, I I don't know. There's this one guy I follow on Twitter. I can't remember. And he always, um, he always somehow reports on things. and, And I read it and it's like, yeah, but that happened like a week ago. And because I think that he's always delaying his report so that he knows that the dust has settled and he knows that this is, this is now the correct story. Because the first story is not necessarily the correct story. In the world of misinformation, disinformation, the first story is incredibly important. You must get that one out. It could be a complete load of rubbish. But that's the one that people are going to run, on, run with. And that will become the establishment, and And, I, and I, can't try, I try to do the same. I, I wait. I, I don't, yes, the pressure is to sort of say something immediately. I don't say anything at all, actually. Um, I have my beliefs that I've been following with for decades and having evolved. But I don't think the first story is always the correct story.
2: I mean that's probably that's probably true, but I guess when you're in the world of news, especially you do have to get out information as especially now there's a bigger I mean there's always been a push of like getting news out as quickly as possible. But even now with the internet, when you can just publish anything with like a click of a button, that's just like that push of being the first one to report. And I think that's what a lot of news news like media organizations fall into that trap is it's more of speed rather than accuracy. Yeah, I, I think mm. the
0: thinking is should be that the first story is to bring that issue to light. Uh. But it should not end at the first story. You should not allow the first story to let you form an opinion. It should be a fact. Mm. Which is what news, like BFM does, right? You know, like when you just said, right, I report the facts. Yeah. Because that's what's happened. The opinions can come later after people have taken time to digest it. People have taken time to figure out what actually went wrong. And then it shouldn't stop. You should continue absorbing these opinions to then form your own opinion. But always think before you decide to suddenly step out and share your opinion. Is not to say it's the right or wrong one, but do you think you're informed enough to form an opinion? Yeah. Well, uh what we have
1: established uh opinion-wise on this uh, show so far is we're not sure if we want to live to it forever. <laughs> uh uh we, I think, there's a bit of consensus. We think that uh, the suit is a bit weird, but it looks nice, and that, um, well, none of us have actually said our opinion on on Gaza, Israel. So <laughs> we managed to sidestep that one. So from that, we move on to um, recommendations. We recommend something that we think might be of interest, and Danya goes first.
2: Yeah, I'm going to recommend a podcast. There are only twelve episodes. Um, it's called Strike Force Five. Um, basically wow. uh, it's when the writer's strike was going on, all the late night hosts had nothing to do and to raise money for their writers, they had a podcast, which Ryan Reynolds helped sponsor and like, you know, help pay like wages for the workers while they were on strike. Um, and generally I'm not that big a fan of, um, American talk show hosts, cause I don't really think the format works anymore in my personal opinion. But it's funny to have listen to five like comedians talk to each other and rag on each other. And, and I think it's it's a fun listen to when you're driving somewhere and you don't cool. listen to anything too heavy, you don't listen to the news, you just want to get away for from you know from the news cycle for a bit. It will it'll make you laugh. Um and yeah, you'll appreciate maybe some of the talk show hosts that you maybe didn't really appreciate before. And you might like them a bit better. That's what I found anyway. So you can get it anywhere, you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple, all that jazz.
1: Strike Force Five.
2: Strike Force 5.
1: Okay. And, uh, well, that's great for we three who have no opinions. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, I've kind of seen bits and pieces of that on um, YouTube, I think. Uh, so, yeah, funny. That One day we have to do a thing about Ryan Reynolds. Uh, not because we, we follow uh, Hollywood gossip and stuff around here, but he's being very clever as he's an actor, but he's being incredibly clever as an entrepreneur using the acting as merely a kind of like a lost leader to to promote other things and uh <clears throat> i'd like to see what he gets up to so um my recommendation is a netflix show and i'm going to say this triumphantly. i don't care what you say it's it's the uh the series that just came out recently on david beckham and it's called beckham it's really good it's really fascinating. Dania's nodding her head. You've seen it, have you?
2: I, I did. I just finished it yesterday. <laughs> so. yeah. It's
0: really fascinating. It was good. Yeah. And you sort of... Um, she sort of, is on the <laughs> cover of Tatler's October issue.
1: <laughs> <laughs> every year. Every month, I think. Um, but he's... A, but, but you sort of discover that, you know, celebrities and major footballer, and he plays and plays in all these different clubs, but the 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 idea of putting the fat the, the kids in a school somewhere are, are really important in their footballing decisions uh and things like that,
2: yeah kind of, it's kind of what it was that makes you realize like oh famous people are like this <laughs> <Like, laughs> situation yeah, yeah. Oh, it's yeah. a great
0: documentary, I think oh, it's, you've seen it yeah i I've seen it i've seen it but i I, I think it's great because like it's not like just a sports documentary, you get what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I think at the initial point, people think it's oh, a bit of a football, but it's like more than that. It's so much more nicer.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But it is also football sim. So...
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I think the the story around it is also like, you know, captivating.
2: Yeah. And it like transcends like, like, because like my family are full on Liverpool supporters but most of us have watched it, Um, you know, yeah. despite hate, you know, that initial hate by yeah. making United for a long time and then...
1: So there's a lot but, of yeah, shouting yeah, at the it, beginning. They slowly went, Quiet, quieter, yes. and actually watched it after <laughs> stopped throwing things at the screen. Uh, well, okay, so that's my recommendation, which is, um, it's just called Beckham, isn't it? Which is, yeah, yes, yeah. yes. This is Beckham. Yeah. And uh, and uh, honestly, I haven't met anybody
0: who's seen it who doesn't like it. So, uh, Sim, what's yours? Um, so, I'm going to recommend a show on Netflix. It's a mini series. It's called The Fall of Half- of Asher. I've not finished yet, um just like four or five episodes in. Uh, but I think it's a really great series. It's by Mike Flanagan. Uh, he's the guy that did uh, ha- *The House of Haunted Hill*, uh, *Midnight Mass*. Uh, it's it's like you know very pretty, gothic, and like mysterious mystery. Uh, it's, it's, it's it's very engaging. The the show is inspired by um, a short story by Edgar Allan Poe. So it's it's great. It's I would say in a nutshell, uh, *The Fall of House of Barsher is like su- *Succession* the show *Succession* but gothic. Okay. Yeah, I, which I, I'm, really kind of, I'm a bit allergic to horror. It's um, um, horror. That is it's more like a mystery thriller kind okay. of thing with like, you know, um like about family, you know, scandals and mystery. There are some horror elements in it, some junk scares. Uh, but I, I'm watching it less for the horror aspect, but more for like I really want to know what's going on. I want to know what happens at the end. Okay. Is this right.
2: is this the one with Mark Hamill?
0: Yes, yes! Oh my god, his character is amazing. <laughs> I love it so much. Like Mark Hamill is such a great actor, and this show when he plays a lawyer its, it's so good. It's like my favorite character so far. It would okay, be kind okay. of set in the 1850s, then, wouldn't it? Or... No, no, it's set in the modern age. Ah, then you lost me. Then. It takes you—it takes you through <laughs> like you know, like decades, like how from young the the family patriarch, you know, uh, from his youth to like now, like that. So yeah. Oh, it's All right. great. It's really great. I mean, I've not read the short story by Edgar Allan Poe, so I don't really have any comparisons to make. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it's a great showing. Everyone should watch it. It's like eight, nine episodes. So you can do it in like two sitting. Yeah. I read it a long time ago. It was, it was,
1: it's good. It's very good. Um, okay. So that's the Fall of the House of Usher on Netflix alongside Beckham uh, or the podcast Strike Force Five. Yes. Right. Which I thought was like some, like, you know, <laughs> Thunderbirds go kind of thing, the way you said it. Uh, so, uh, well, that brings us to the end of this week's show And only reminds me now to thank. Thank you so much, Daniel and I.
2: Thank you. I hope to see both of you in 100 years. <laughs> we're immortal.
1: Fingers crossed. <laughs> oh, what a crazy thought. And uh, Simway Boon. Thank you very much for having me. And uh, and myself, Cam Ruslan, and please join us next week for another exciting episode of A Bit of Culture here on BFM 89.9.
0: You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.